Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Jesus, the Great Physician. All right, praise the Lord. So I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus, the Great Physician. Jesus, the great physician. And I want to begin with a story, the story of the very first operation. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 in the New King James. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. You know, some translations say complementary to him. You get the picture here. Adam went through all creation, named all the animals, and noticed that there were male and female versions of every species. But there was only a male version of his species. So he became lonely. Amen. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. So turn on your imagination here. Here we see the use of anesthetics, some kind of incision, an extraction of a rib, followed by closing up the original incision. Sounds like a surgical operation to me, amen? Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And you know the rest of the story. He looked at this beautiful naked woman, and he said, whoa, man. And that's where you get the name woman from. No, what he said is, this babe is so beautiful for this reason. A man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. For babes like her, this is going to happen. That's my version of the Scripture there. But you know what's really interesting about that? Adam prophesied about mothers and fathers before there even was such a thing. That's prophetic. Amen. Hallelujah. Better to be prophetic than pathetic, right? Amen. Glory to God. I just thought I'd throw that zinger in there for you. All right, so if you look back at verse 21, if you would just take it back to verse 21 there, Thomas. The word there that's translated as the Lord God is actually the Hebrew word Elohim. It's a plural word. It literally means gods. I believe it was the Hebrew way of expressing the plurality or the Trinity, or the Godhead. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? At this time, before Jesus took on flesh, that was what the Godhead was called. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. So, read it like this. And the Lord God Elohim, God the Father, God the Word, 
And God the Holy Spirit caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. What that says to me is that God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit were all involved in this operation. I believe God the Father oversaw the operation, God the Holy Spirit assisted in the operation, and God the Word performed the operation. Amen. Why do I believe that? Well, I've put a little bit of thought into it. I used a little bit of logic. So if you would, follow my logic. John chapter 1 tells us some things about the Word, and I want to read it to you this morning. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. This is King James. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So this person that we call the Word was Jesus before He took on flesh. And the Bible says He was the agent of creation and everything that was made was made by Him. Amen. And since the purpose of this operation was to create a woman out of a man, Jesus, the great physician, had to be the one who performed the operation to be biblically consistent. Amen? I won't charge you anything extra for that. Amen? That's free. So Jesus, the great physician. That's what we're talking about this morning. And I have three major takeaways that I want you to get out of this message. Number one, I want you to recognize Jesus as the great physician. Number two, take the medicine He prescribes. Number three, trust the great physician above all others. Amen. So let's start with number one. Let's learn to recognize Jesus as the great physician. Now, this is going to take a bit of Scripture, so bear with me as we learn from the Word as we go. Amen? Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 1 and 2, New King James. Luke 4, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. I'll say, after 40 days, you know you got to be hungry. I read somewhere that hunger pains when you're fasting like that, no food at all, will come and go during the first 40 days of a fast. But when day 40 hits, hunger comes back with a vengeance. It hits you really hard. And this was when Jesus was tempted of the devil. You know, Jesus was tempted of the devil in the wilderness in three different ways, but I want to zero in on the last one that's mentioned here by Luke. So skip on down to verse 9, Luke chapter 4, verse 9, and we're going to read through the rest of the passage or most of the way through the passage. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. That is, the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem. I'm not sure how that went down. I'm still trying to figure that out. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Amen. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So let's talk about the pinnacle of the temple here for just a minute because there's really some interesting stuff going on here if you dig a little deeper. First of all, you got to know that Jesus had a deep desire to be accepted by the people of Israel as their Messiah, as their deliverer, as their healer, even though he knew that ultimately he would be rejected by most of those he came to save. So during the temptation of the pinnacle, the devil attempted to exploit that deep desire in the heart of Jesus. Even using the word of God against Jesus, the living word himself. What a contradiction. What audacity. So the most accepted location for the pinnacle of the temple was the southeast corner of the temple mount in existence at the time of Jesus. And from that pinnacle to the floor of the Kidron Valley was 450 feet. No one would be foolish enough to throw himself off from such a place. Amen. It would be certain death. To be sure, it would be a convincing way for Jesus to prove to everyone that he was their Messiah. He was the Son of God. Think about it. If he could walk on water, which he did later, surely he could have walked on air and walked from the pinnacle down to the valley below. Or he could have leaped off and commanded the angels to catch him just in the nick of time for dramatic effect. Now listen, this is not just conjecture. All of this is relevant because there was a tradition held by the Jews at the time that the pinnacle of the temple would be the place where Messiah would reveal himself to the nation of Israel. As the tradition went, the Messiah would get up on the pinnacle and blow the shofar and announce that he had come as their Messiah, as their deliverer, as their healer. Amen. But the devil suggested that he take it a step further and hurl himself off the pinnacle, proving once and for all that he was Messiah. You know, Jesus might have been tempted, but he knew he was the Son of God. He had no identity issues. He knew he was the Son of God, and he knew better than to dishonor his Father with such a vain display of power. All right, let's pick it up at verse 13. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, this is a little bit of a side journey, but a good one. You know, if you hit the devil hard enough and long enough with the Word of God, he'll leave you alone. He'll leave you for a season until he perceives an opportune time to come and tempt you again. So you got to be ready. And you got to hit him hard and fast with the Word. It is written. It is written. It is written. God has said. And you know what? He'll turn tail and run again. The Bible says, you know, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't sit there and let Satan pound you with thoughts without responding with words. Amen. 
Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I reckon so. He just said a mouthful. He essentially just said, I am your Messiah. And then he removes all doubt. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Hallelujah. I love the boldness of Jesus. Amen. Verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. In other words, Jesus was saying, you want me to redeem myself. You want me to improve my reputation in my hometown. You want me to do the things that I did in Capernaum and other cities where they received me as the great healer, the great physician. But I can't do these works if there's no faith in this town. Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 talks about this time that Jesus was in his hometown. And it says he could there do no mighty works except he laid his hands on a few people with minor ailments. And it says because of their unbelief, because they saw him as the carpenter's son. They saw him as the good old boy that grew up in Nazareth that they all knew. They did not see him as Messiah. They did not see him as the great healer. They did not see him as the great physician. And because they didn't, they did not receive from him. Now, these days, we might not judge Jesus after the flesh like the people of Nazareth did. Most modern Christians acknowledge that Jesus is the perfect Son of God, fully human and fully God. But the sad reality is this. A vast percentage of the body of Christ today does not see Jesus as the great healer or the great physician. They just don't seem like that. And because they don't, they don't receive healing from him. You know, in that respect, he's more like the great I was to them than the great I am. Remember, it's time to recognize Jesus as the great physician. Amen. And if you recognize Jesus as the great physician, number two, you will take the medicine he prescribes. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. We're going to read through verse 23 in the King James. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. That word there, health, in the Hebrew is actually translated medicine. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh, health or medicine to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Here, Jesus, the great physician, tells us to attend to or give special attention to the word of God. He exhorts us to hear the word, to read the word, to meditate the word. And he says to do it on a regular basis. Amen. He prescribes the medicine of his word as a remedy to your ailments. All of this is necessary, he says, if you are to maintain a healthy heart. You must ingest the Word of God. You must read it, study it, meditate it, speak it over your life. You know, Proverbs 14.30 makes this very clear. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Amen. That word there, sound, means healed, cured, or healthy. So a healed, cured, or healthy heart is the life of the flesh. The key to health in your body is having health in your soul, having health in your heart. Because if it's in your heart, it will emanate from there out to your body, and your body will be healed. you got to see it on the inside before it manifests on the outside. Amen. Couple stories. Y'all like my stories? I got a couple for you. A couple of years ago, I was struggling with some pretty debilitating symptoms. I was feverish, sweating, hurt all over, and was extremely nauseated. My wife was out and about, so I was at home with the dogs and the cat by myself. So what I did, as a great man of faith, I went to the bathroom, I took off my shirt, hovered over the commode, and prepared to hurl. Anything I thought to make myself feel better. If I can just get this out, I'll be 80% better. Suddenly, in this ridiculous notion of mine, I heard the word of the Lord speak to me on the inside. Now, when I say that, you know, I've heard the audible voice of the Lord one time in the summer of 1991 when I was fully conscious. I've heard it many times in dreams and visions, but seldom when I was fully conscious. But this is another form of the voice of the Lord that happens to me a lot, and it probably does to you. Uh, You hear the voice on the inside. It might as well have been audible because you hear it clearly. I call it the audible inward voice of God. Anyway, so this voice said to me, why don't you read Proverbs 17? So I thought, that was such a random thought. That has to be God. So I ran out of the bathroom, I found my phone, and then ran back into the bathroom because I still thought eventually I was going to, you know, hug the commode. So I started reading uh, Proverbs 17, and I read all the way down to verse 22 where it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now, I don't know why this particular verse was the activator. I think Really, Jesus was getting a kick out of what I was trying to do, get healed by vomiting, you know. and he thought it was funny, and so he wanted to give me a better way. 
Anyway, when I finished reading that verse, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. All of a sudden, I felt those symptoms begin to drain from my body, from the top of my head, down through my body, and out through my toes. In a matter of seconds, I was completely healed. I said, this is amazing. How come this doesn't happen all the time, Lord? Months later, I had the same thing happen to me. My wife is out. I always get sick when she's out. Thank God, because she's not much help. She, she's like, you're a man of God. Stand on the word, you know. But when she's sick, she wants to be coddled and taken care of. So months later, I had the same thing happen to me, and I was feverish, sweating, hurting all over, and extremely nauseated again. So there I was with my shirt off, once again positioned to hug the commode for my remedy. But this time, the Lord spoke to me in a still, small voice. It was barely a whisper. He said, why don't you just praise me and thank me for your healing? So I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot. I laid down on my back in the bathroom. I put my hands in the air, and I began to say, Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I give you honor. I give you glory. Thank you that Jesus took my infirmities. Thank you he bore my sicknesses. Thank you that with his stripes I was and I am healed. I'm telling you about two or three minutes of that, and all of a sudden the same thing happened. I felt that sickness, those symptoms from the top of my head, pass through my body and exit out my toes. Once again, within minutes, I was healed. Amen. So, in the first instance where I read the Scriptures, I didn't do anything other than read the Scripture. I didn't read it out loud. I didn't confess it. I didn't meditate it. I just read it. Remember, the Scripture says, Let them not depart from thine eyes. I put the Word before my eyes, and it healed me. In the second instance, I took the praise cure. The prescription that Jesus gave to me was the praise cure. Praise the Lord until you're healed, and I was healed. Either way, I took the medicine he prescribed, and I was healed. Amen. Glory to God. Remember, take the medicine that the great physician prescribes. Number three, this is our last point. Trust the great physician above all things. Trust the great physician above all others. Amen. Second Chronicles 16, 11 through 13, King James Version. This is a very obscure verse, but very, very profound and very instructive. It's about King Asa, who was a righteous and godly king. Verse 11 says, And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. You know, the Amplified says it like this, He did not seek the Lord, but relied only on on the physicians. And this verse 13 gives us the result. And Asa slept with his fathers, 
and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. So for two years, he was diseased in his feet and he sought only to the physicians. He did not seek the Lord. And as a result, he died of whatever disease he had. Now, listen, I don't want anyone to construe anything I've said as anti-medical science because medical science definitely has its place and it is of God. But there are limitations and they don't have all the answers. Bottom line, when it comes to matters of faith and medical science, trust Jesus, the great physician, and he will meet you at your level of faith. Listen, if you're trusting God to guide the physician that you've prayerfully chosen to perform the right procedure or prescribe the right medicine, then he'll meet you at that level of faith. I'll give you a personal example so that you'll know I'm not against doctors. Shortly after we moved to Wilmington, I had a dream. And in this dream, the Lord told me that I needed to beef up my vitamin B6 and B12. It was the most amazing dream. I walked by a park bench with a bottle, a large spray bottle that was painted blue and had the letter B on it. And as I walked by, it sprayed me. And then later on, I'll spare you the details, the Lord made it clear that I needed more B6 and B12 in my body, in my system. So I went to the doctor, had some blood work made, and was told that I really needed to beef up my vitamin B6 and B12. You know what? The Lord had already told me. So I went to the doctor, and to this day, every day, I take B6, B12, and I take other supplements that help me be as healthy as I can be. Amen? All right. Having said all that, here's the bottom line. It's important who you put your trust in. Let me say that again. It is important who you put your trust in. If you go to the doctor, for heaven's sakes, go to the doctor trusting Jesus, the great physician, above all others. If the doctor advises a procedure or prescribes a medicine and you don't have a peace about it, listen to the Holy Spirit and make your medical decisions accordingly. Remember, trust the great physician above all others. Amen. So to recap, number one, recognize Jesus as the great physician. Number two, take the medicine he prescribes. Number three, trust Jesus, the great physician, above all others. All right, praise the Lord. So to wrap things up this morning, I want you to remember that Jesus got his reputation as the great physician by operating in gifts of healing and working of miracles, and he did it consistently. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to end with this, but it's an important ending. Keep your thumb there, or keep it on your device there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let me tell you a little bit about why I want to read this and talk about it for a few minutes before we close. On October 10th of last year, I had a vision, and in this vision, my wife and I were standing in, in our living room, and we were looking into our foyer area where the stairwell is, and all of a sudden, a stack of enormous gifts showed up inside our front door. They were wrapped in white paper with green Christmas trees on the paper. 
And I said, look, honey, gifts have appeared at our front door. It was like a normal thing, evidently, you know. And one of the gifts was so big, it was bigger than the door itself. So in the vision, I said, I'm going to go see who they were addressed to because we're not expecting any gifts like this. It's not Christmas time or it's not here yet. So I looked at each and every gift, and on each and every gift, they were addressed to Faith Life Fellowship, this church. So that's been months ago. I have perceived from that vision that the Lord wants to pour out His gifts in this place And he wants me to lead you into believing God for that to happen. You know, when the Lord shows you things like that in dreams and visions, and you know they're from the Lord, he's asking you to come into alignment with what he wants for you. He's showing you a vision of what can be if you will be in agreement with his will and if you will come into alignment with his will. I choose to be in agreement and to come into alignment this morning. And I'm asking you as a congregation, since you were involved, these gifts were addressed to you. I want you to be on board with me, and let's begin to contend starting this Sunday for the gifts of the Spirit to flow in this place. I'm believing God for gifts of people, gifts in people, and gifts operating through people in this place. If God promised to us, we're going to have it at Faith Life Fellowship. Amen? All right? Now, I'm not going to read these scriptures to you because I really want to pray for the people, but if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you read verse 8 through 10, it enumerates the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're all supernatural gifts, and among those gifts are gifts of healing and working of miracles. I'm specifically asking the Lord to pour out those gifts in this place, and I want to start this morning. So if Marcy, you'd come to the keyboard, we're going to pray for anyone who has any ailment, whether major or minor, whether chronic or whether it just came on you, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for a loosing of the gifts of the Spirit. So if you've got any pain in your body, anywhere, any symptoms you don't want in your body, anywhere, come up here right now. you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Jesus, the Great Physician. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.